Welcome to the Missing in Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Marcelina, and today we have a special guest, Lynn Barfelmi, who is a fellow true crime enthusiast. Now that we're both in Madrid for an exchange, we wanted to dive into the world of true crime in our own city. Hi everyone, I'm Lynn. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming over. I've actually, I've never done this before and it's such a great opportunity to talk about this topic and I'm so glad I found someone who's also interested in this true crime world and it's especially cool to do it in the city we both live in and can visualize the stories better as we already know the city quite well, I'd say, right? I definitely agree. We've been here for the past, what, three, four months? Mm -hmm. So let's dive into our first case of Eva Blanco. It was a sunny afternoon on the 19th of April, 1997. She was playing tennis like she would every Saturday. Afterwards, she decided to stay at the tennis club with her friends and go to the local disco and stay there until 11.30 at night. She had agreed to return home at midnight and was among the first ones to be separated from the rest of the group. She started walking home with a friend until they got separated at a parking lot around 700 meters away from Ava's home. This was around 11.45. She has used a typical shortcut across the parking lot to get to her home in the Valderly residential area. It wasn't a dangerous shortcut as it was taken by her and other Valderly students every morning to get to the high school. Eva had always been on time before when getting back home, so her mother became very worried when she wasn't showing up. She decided to call Eva's friends, who told her that she has already left the party. She alerted her husband, a tow truck driver, who searched for her in the town with the help of his nephew, a local police officer, and the father of one of Eva's friends. They were looking for her for one hour. However, they were unable to find any trace of her and decided to report uh, the disappearance to the local civil guard station. Sadly, the police did not take the case very seriously as it has happened only an hour ago. One of the officers even joked around that kids at her age tend to do drugs and pass out in random doorways, which is very unprofessional of him. By 2.30 in the morning, Ava's family, friends, civil guards, and the local police finally began her search, but a missing report was not filed until 8 in the morning. At 12, her family contacted the regional TV station, Tele Madrid, and requested, uh, requested its help publicizing the case. Ava's father visited the local civil guard station 15 times during the night and criticized the institution for not searching the rural roads or using vehicles in the search before sunrise. All the police did was a short 20-minute run around Valderi. He claimed that they did not do uh, the search earlier with the cars because of lack of gas in their vehicles. The civil guard denied the accusations and said that it was customary to wait some hours between missing persons report and its search. Sadly, this case does not have a happy ending and her body was found by two elderly residents at 9 a.m. that morning, only six kilometers away from where she was last seen and disappeared. And the residents thought first that she might have been run over by a car, but the civil guard noticed that Ava, who was laying face down on the ground, had actually been stabbed several times in the back as she was trying to run away from an attacker. And she was also still wearing the same clothes as during the night, but one sleeve of her jacket was ripped off. 
and unfortunately a lot of forensic evidence had been washed away during the night because it rained so much um, and so it was very hard for the police to find any more clues and there were a number of different theories made about what happened about what could have possibly yeah, happened during the night and it turned out to be a lot more complicated than, than originally thought and they started testing different suspects and their DNA but after testing about 10 people no matches had been made and it was only in 2013 which is 16 years later that 1,503 people worked on the case and 208 men had their DNA tested and compared and by the end of the year they finally arrested the main suspect that had been found after a woman had watched a TV show about the case and came forward with new clues which led the police to a 45 year old man and after the trial he was found guilty and was then found dead in his cell after ending his life by tying shoelaces around his throat. This case is definitely very heavy and as a young adult and recently a teenager uh, who likes to go clubbing and socializing it definitely hits too close to home and it shows that no matter where you are you still have to keep certain precautions when going out definitely and i also think what upsets me so much about this case is how little help the police was offering in the beginning and just thinking about how much could have been prevented and how much faster she could she could have been found if they would have acted quicker just really annoys me definitely their uh, the entire mannerism was very unprofessional yeah, and I think the excuse with the lack of the gas in the police vehicles is the worst excuse I've ever heard and so problematic on so many levels. It definitely is considering that they're the local uh, police station, so they should have vehicles ready for search at all times as you never know what's going to happen. So it is definitely a very unprofessional excuse and very unbelievable one and i also i can't imagine how the parents and the father must have felt after going to the police station 15 times 15 times in order to get help it's insane i cannot comprehend that really insane um and some time has passed now since the case has happened would you say as a young woman living in madrid do you feel safe living here i definitely do feel safe but one thing that you need to keep in mind is that we live in a city in a big city while um, that family lived in more of a suburban area so thanks to that uh, whenever we go out or whenever we're in the city there's always somebody around us there's always witnesses if a case would have to happen with us you're never alone there's always well-lit areas so it definitely makes me feel much safer if i do have to go alone I try to prevent that, obviously, and I try to go back home with my friends. But if I'd have to, I don't think I would feel that unsafe. What about you? How do you feel about Madrid? Um, I agree with you. I think it's definitely one of the safer cities I've been to. As you said, I think there's always someone around um, and you never feel alone. But um, although it's safe, definitely, I think for me, I haven't had many dangerous situations. But still, it's super important to be aware of your surroundings and try to not go alone anywhere. Definitely agree. Yeah. How is it in your hometown? Is it different from Madrid? So I am from Warsaw, Poland, and uh, I would definitely say that because I know the language and I know my city very well, uh, I know which areas to avoid, I know where I can be uh, safe and sound at all times, it definitely makes much easier navigating it. But I do still try to get back home with my friends since they live in my area as well. It makes it so much easier when taking an Uber or a taxi. I'm definitely never alone and that makes it so much better. 
Yeah. What about you? What about your hometown? Um, I'm from Berlin, and Berlin is known as not the safest city, I'd say. It doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to that. And I think, as you, I agree with you, I, I mean, I grew up there, I'm from Berlin, I know the city, I know the language, and I do know, I do think that I know my way around, and it's easy for me to navigate. So um, maybe it's, it's different for me than it might be for a tourist that visits the city. But um, yeah, I know where to go and where not to go, especially at night. There are places where you really shouldn't be alone as a girl especially at night when it's dark and um, knowing that makes it easier but still always it's super important to to never go home alone to always be with people definitely agree definitely agree and um, the second case we have prepared for you today is also about a young girl in madrid it's about a 17 year old high school student named marta del castillo and marta was chatting with a friend one day and um, the friend was called silvia fernandez on january 24th in 2009 They were chatting through Messenger when she left the conversation with the line, Fadi, I'll leave you because El Miguel is downstairs and I'm going to talk to him. I'll call you later and tell you about it. Love you. El Miguel was the nickname of a 19-year-old Miguel Casano Delgado, a boy she had been casually seeing for approximately one month. And around 5 p.m. that day, Marta told her family that she would spend the evening with friends and she left the family home in Sevilla's Rag Antonio Street. And her mother had already previously warned her about Casano, claiming that he had the profile of a domestic abuser, which I think you should definitely take very seriously, as your mother's intuition is always right. Um, and when Marta was getting late home that day, her family called her cell phone, which was on for the first hours, but then she didn't respond. And they also called her friends, and they also called Miguel. And he admitted that he had seen her that evening, but claimed that he had left her near the entrance of her apartment block around 9.30 that night. And after he also didn't want to help with the search for Marta, her mother became very suspicious. And some friends went to his apartment to look for her and noticed that the place smelled very strongly like bleach and ammonia. Um, and after being interviewed twice, Miguel eventually confessed to the murder after forensic evidence was found. But his version of the story, that he apparently killed her with an ashtray after having an argument with her, did not make a lot of sense, and the police didn't believe he was telling the whole truth. After searching the river and nobody was being discovered, Miguel made up two more different stories of Marta's death. In one, he claimed that they were taking drugs together and he strangled her under the influence of different substances. Well, in the last version of the story, Miguel claimed that two other men also forced themselves on Marta and her body, eventually killing her and putting her body in a dumpster. This also wasn't true. Because of so many made-up stories with twists and turns, he was sentenced to 21 years by the Supreme Court of Spain and was fined around 1 million euros for emotional damage and causing disruption to the investigation. The body has not been found till this day, meaning she has been missing for the past 14 years. That is so, so scary, and I'm getting goosebumps as you say, as you tell the story. So scary. I can't imagine. Me neither. The, especially what the parents feel without having proper truth um, till this day. Yeah, no closure either. No. Because the body hasn't been found. That's crazy. Wow. It definitely shows you how dangerous meeting people can be if you don't know their intentions that can translate to like online dating like on tinder bumble uh definitely other dating platforms it yeah. shows you that you cannot trust anybody that's true and i also think that if your friends or your parents that know you obviously very well say that 
someone someone you're hanging out with is not the safest maybe or is seeming a bit suspicious trust them although you might not want to hear it at that moment because you are in love or you met someone new and you're excited about yeah. it trust them listen to them they know you well and they can read people well they have a good intuition about yeah. these kind of things definitely like if somebody's giving you a lot of attention and is very attractive you forget to remember that there are always bad sides to people and you just see only the positives it's just like you're wearing rose-colored glasses yeah the world looks so <laughs> differently yeah since we have some female listeners over here we thought it would be a good way to conclude these two very scary cases actually with some tips on how to feel safer when going out in the city um, number one, if you walk back home or take an Uber or a taxi, make sure you're walking back with others. However, if you cannot go back with your friends or for whatever reason have to go back home alone, make sure to share your location so your friends always know where you are and walk in populated areas, even if it takes longer. Take the detour, be safe, uh, take the longer way home and avoid dark alleys at all times and try to stay in pretty lit areas. Definitely agree with that tip. And what I personally like to do as well is to either stay over at my friend's house or they can stay over at mine. This way we make sure that everybody gets back home at the same time and we avoid taking Ubers or night trains alone, but instead are all together, maybe even like walking back home all together. It definitely makes you feel much safer. A uh, second tip that we have for you is to always tell your friends what are your plans and don't just leave them alone. Make sure that someone knows where you are at all times. Even better would be to just stay in the same vicinity, be always being able to see them and never, never, never turn off your phone. Yeah. And number three, please try not to act with strangers. It seems pretty self-explanatory, but how, if you've had some drinks and... Yeah, if you're under the influence of something, you might feel a bit more chatty, a bit more up for, for the conversation. Don't do that. You never know who you're talking to. You don't know what their intentions are. Take care of yourself and don't have weird conversations with, with strangers. Exactly. And last but not least, always trust your gut feeling. If you feel like the person might be dangerous or the alley is unsafe or the drink might have been spiked, definitely try to stay away from it it's much better and safer to uh, waste your money on the 15 uh, euro cocktail at the club than it is to you know you gotta keep yourself safe you gotta make sure that your health your safety comes first over a stupid drink or hanging yeah. out with a stupid guy i agree and for our male listeners try to be understanding and supportive of your female friends as well and don't be shy and try to intervene if something looks off it's crazy how much of an influence can a male presence can have so um yeah that's obviously super important and these tips for girls can also apply to you guys if you do not feel safe in a big city yeah. yeah so this concludes our podcast although we know it's a bit of a heavier topic it is a very important one as it is very common to go out especially here in madrid and you definitely still want to keep your freedom and be able to enjoy your time with your friends and socialize unfortunately it is a very frequent issue that many girls face on the regular and i hope that you all will be taking something away from this podcast and stay safe when going clubbing or socializing definitely um then thank you so much for listening we will see you next time with another episode of missing in madrid and goodbye thanks so much bye